Well, good morning. My name is Pastor Jeremy, and it's my privilege to open up the Word of God with you this morning. My dad taught a couple thousand junior hires how to draw a map of Israel in two and a half seconds. And I happen to be one of them. It's very simple, actually. You just go like that. Are you not impressed? I mean, can't you see that the the Mediterranean Sea is right about there? And this is the Sea of Galilee, and this is the Dead Sea, and this right here is the land of Israel. If we keep on going down there, you'd have Egypt would be right about here. And really the story that we're picking up this morning is that God said to Abraham in Genesis 12, I will give you this land. I will give you this land and your descendants. And so Abraham went through it and he died and Isaac was there and he died and Jacob was there and he died. And then Joseph went down to Egypt. And that's where we picked up the story. That's where Moses was born grew up in Pharaoh's household, and God is still saying, I will give you this land. So Moses goes to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh won't let him go, so God sends ten terrible plagues here, the tenth one, which ends in the firstborn being killed. And then they go on a trip. And instead of leading them directly up to the land, God actually leads them down, because down here we've got Uh, The Red Sea, which kind of looks like a little bunny. Now you guys know I'm a preacher, not an artist. (laughs) But God brings him down here, and it's a dead end. And they're thinking, God's not going to be faithful. God's not going to be true to his word. And then all of a sudden, God shows up, and God is faithful, and God is true to his word. And he drowns the Egyptian army in the Red Sea, and then they drop down to Mount Sinai, where God gives them the Ten Commandments, and lights a mountain on fire, and Moses' face is radiating the glory of the Lord, and then they leave. After they've received instructions for the tabernacle, they leave, and they start going up. And where are they going? Where are they going? They're going towards the... They're going towards the promised land. It's getting exciting. God's going to make good on his promise. It's been hundreds of years. And they get right about here to a place called... Kadesh, right at the bottom of it. And God tells him, go in. Go all in. Go all in to the land that I have promised you because I am faithful to my word. Go all in. And they don't. They don't. Their faith fails. And this morning we're going to look at why they should have gone all in. And we're going to look at why we need to go all in. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just thank you so much for your word, Lord. And we just thank you for how it teaches us how to live. For teaching us who you are, Lord. For teaching us who we are. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would use your word this morning, Lord, to show us what is good, 
to convict us of what is wrong and to warn us, warn us of the judgment to come. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This morning we're in Numbers 13. We have a lot of scripture to cover, so you can keep your Bibles open. We're going to start in Numbers 13. We're actually going to pick it up in verse 17. The Lord spoke to Moses in verse 1, just giving you a brief synopsis. He says, go all in. Send 12 men. Let them check it out. So they send these 12 very, very strong, young, respectable men into the promised land. And we'll pick it up here in verse 17. Numbers 13, verse 17. Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up into the Negev and go up into the hill country and see what the land is, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, whether there are trees in it or not. Be of good courage. And bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season for the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin to Rehob, near Libel Hamat. They went to the Negev and came to Hebron. Ahiman, Sheshai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, were there. Hebron was built seven years before Zon in Egypt. And they came to the valley of Eshkol and cut down from there a branch with a single cluster of grapes, and they carried it on a pole between two of them. That's a lot of grapes. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. The place was called the valley of Eshkol because of the cluster that the people of Israel cut down from there. So they go in. And God wants them to go all in. You can jot this down. Uh, go all in because God is faithful. Go all in because God is faithful. God is faithful in three main ways. He's faithful to his word. He's faithful to his people. He's faithful to himself. God is totally faithful to his word. He says, I am giving it to you. Hebron is a place that's emphasized in here. As they came to Hebron... See, Hebron was a significant place. Hebron was the exact spot where God had promised Abraham, I will give this land to your descendants. Hebron was where Abraham was buried. It was where Isaac was buried. It was where Jacob was buried. It is where Joseph said, hey, when you go back to the promised land, make sure you bring my bones there to bury them in Hebron. When they hit Hebron, they should have been absolutely filled with massive Massive faith. Because God was going to keep his word. There's not a ton of people and there's not a ton of things that you can go all in on trusting. But this is one of them. All in. All in on trusting God's word. Go all in on trusting God's word. Do you know how much your life would change if you went all in on trusting God's word? Do you know how much your family would change if you went all in on trusting God's word? Do you know how much your small group would change if you went all in on trusting God's word? Do you know how much our church would change if we all went all in 
on God's word. Why doesn't the church have more impact in the world today? In a sentence? Because way too many of us don't go all in on God's word. He is faithful. He is so faithful. God is all in on his word. Jesus says in Matthew 24, verse 35, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. We need to be all in on God's word because God is all in on his word. He's faithful. God is also faithful to his people. He said that he would bring them into this land. He said it's a good land. God loves you. He wants to bring you to a good place. God isn't going to lead you to a bad place. He's going to lead you to a good place, a land that's flowing with milk and honey. He's faithful to his people, and he's still faithful to his people. David says in Psalm 37, 25, I was young, and now I am old, but I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. Romans 8, 28, For we know that in all things, all things, God works for the good of those that love him. God is faithful to his people, and God is faithful to himself. God is faithful to himself. Why is he going to bring him into this land? Because he said so. His reputation depends on it. His glory depends on it. His word depends on it. God is going to be all in. God is faithful. He's like, go into that land because I am faithful. I will keep my word. But what do they do? What do they do? Verse 25. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land, and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land, and they told him, We came to a land which you sent to us. It flows with milk and honey. It doesn't legitimately mean milk and honey. It just means that you can raise, like, things that give you milk. You know, like cows and goats, stuff like that. It's like, it'll be good. And honey is just, like, sweet. I'm sure there was honey there. There was honey there. But it's like the grapes, the pomegranates, the figs, good stuff. We came to the land which you sent to us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, other versions of the Bible use the word but. The people who dwell in the land are strong. And the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against this people, for they are stronger than we. So they brought the people of Israel a bad report, some versions say an evil report, of the land that they had spied out, saying, the land through which you have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people we saw in it are of great height. And we saw the Nephilim there, 
the sons of Anak who come from the Nephilim, and we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seem to them. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night, and all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we have died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, Let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. God wants them to go all in, and he wants us to go all in. And here's another reason. Go all in because God is big. Go all in because God is big. Many people are stronger than you. Many situations are stronger than you. Many sins are stronger than you. But there is not one person, there is not one situation, and there is not one sin that is stronger than God because God is big. Faithlessness is measuring your obstacles by the size of you. Faith is measuring the giants in your life, whether giant sins, giant sickness, giant suffering. Faith is measuring the giants in your life by the size of your God. The questions that Moses sent them, he's like, hey, are they strong or weak? Well, they're strong. They came back, they're like, they're strong, they lift. Is there few or many? There's many. There's many. There's a lot of them. It's really funny. They run through the whole list. They're like Amorites, Jebusites, Perizzites. And they're like, oh, there's people there. God has been telling them that there's people there the whole time. Behold, go to the land of the land of the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hittites and all these ites, and I will give it to you. And then they see all the people there. It should have been like, yep, there they are. There they are. Those are the people that God's going to drive out. God's going to be faithful. God's going to be big. God's going to do it. But instead, there's like, there's people there. Is the land good or bad? It's good. Needed a pole to carry grapes. Are there camps or strongholds? Strongholds. Walls. There were obstacles. There were big obstacles. But big obstacles are opportunities for a big faith in a big God. Obstacles in your life are opportunities for God to show himself to be big. Bigger the obstacle, bigger God gets to show himself to be. Twelve of them saw the obstacles. Ten of them measured the obstacles by how big they were. And only two, only two, what is that, like 8%? Zach, is it 8%? I think it's eight percent. Eight percent of them were like, "We can do it." Less than one out of ten. Well, no, a little more than that. We're going to measure the obstacles by the size of God. Caleb and Joshua saw the cities of Canaan as an opportunity to embrace faith in a big God. I can hear their conversation. I can hear their conversation. Like they all come back and it's like, "Hey, hey, did you did you see how big those guys were?" And Caleb was like. Did you see the ten plagues? Did you see how big those walls were? And Caleb or Joshua were going, 
Did you see the Red Sea split in half? Did you, did you see all of the people there, how many there were? Did, did you see God deliver us from the mightiest nation on the face of the earth? Did you see this? This was not their biggest obstacle. Going into Canaan was not their biggest obstacle. God had delivered them from Egypt. He had drowned their oppressors. Their greatest obstacle was not the cities or the people. Their greatest obstacle was their unbelieving heart. Their greatest obstacle was their unbelieving hearts. And it's our greatest obstacle as well. Our greatest obstacle in life is not what's around us. It's what's inside of us. Will we have believing hearts? Will we have hearts that believe that God is big? Will we believe that God is big enough to fix our broken marriage? Will we have faith to believe that God is big enough to handle the financial problems? Will we have faith to believe that God is big enough to watch over our children and save them? Will we believe that God is big enough for us to take a stand in our high schools? That's the challenge. The biggest challenges are not around us. They are inside of us. Do you believe that God is big enough to conquer your anxiety or your depression? They had unbelieving hearts and They're showing us what we're like. So do we. They should have been all in, but they weren't because they had ceased to remind themselves that their God was big. They had ceased to remind themselves that their God was big. They did not, they were more focused on how big they were, not on how big God was. They were small God people. Small God people. I thought about, well, I didn't think about it. They're right here in the text. Five things that are true about small God people. How do you know if you're a small God person? Uh, five things that we see right from the text. You can jot them down. Uh, small God people make excuses. Small God people make excuses. In uh, chapter 13, verse 28 and 29, it's a good land. It's flowing with milk and honey, but... See, small God people are always saying, but, but... However, they're always making excuses. There's always a but, some reason not to trust God. And because small God people are always making excuses, they're rarely making a difference. God isn't looking for excuses. He's looking for you to be all in. Small God people also exaggerate challenges. Exaggerate challenges in verse 32 and 33. So they brought the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land which we have gone into to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants. Oh, that's stretching the truth. How can it be good in eating people at the same time? All the, pe- all the people that we saw were of great height. All of them. Really? All of them? And we saw the Nephilim. The Nephilim were pre-Noah. So if you just know a little bit of the Bible, the, the Nephilim were dead. They exaggerated the challenges. The report was made up. It was false. It was a lie. Were they big? Yeah, they could have been big. They could have been seven to nine feet. But if 
You know, if I stand next to a seven-foot, nine-foot person, I don't seem like a grasshopper. They exaggerate the challenges. The bad report was exaggerated, sought to stir up fear. It was faithless. Small God people exaggerate challenges. Small God people also grumble. They grumble. They grumbled against Moses and Aaron, verse 2. All the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. You know what the problem is with grumbling? God hears it. That's the problem with grumbling, that God hears it. And grumbling, see, what it does is it, it communicates to God that you don't think God is who he says he is when you grumble. Grumbling accuses God of making a mistake when you grumble against him. I think of people that have gone through hard things in this church, and um, I was just thinking, I'm like, yeah, big God. I was thinking, yeah, big God people don't grumble. And I remember, I remember Terry Kent. For those of you that knew Terry Kent, and I, I, I still think of Jan. Terry got diagnosed with brain cancer and passed away. Visited them many times. I went to the funeral. You know what I didn't hear? Once. Once. Grumbling. Why? Because big God people don't grumble. Big God people don't grumble. They trust that God is who he says he is. They know that their big God is in charge and that he loves them. Small God people also despair. They despair. In 14, 2 and 3, they said, Would that we have died in the land of Egypt, or would that we have died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? They despair. They despair. We should have died. They're mourning the past instead of hoping for a bright future. They're focused on the problem instead of focused on their big God. Trusting that their big God has a solution. Small God people despair. And the last thing that small God people do is they reject God's leadership. Small God people reject God's leadership. In verse 4, they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. They reject God's chosen leader. They reject God's chosen mediator because they think they know better than God and God's appointed leaders. Ultimately, small God people think that they are big and that God is not. Big God people believe that God is big and they are not. Caleb quiets the people. He stands up. He spoke. He was urgent. He was confident. He was courageous, but he was opposed. He was opposed. When he opened his mouth to say, no, 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 it's a good land. We got to go. We got to go. All in, guys. All in. We got to go. He was opposed. He teaches us that people are not to be feared, but God is. Caleb was all in. Caleb was all in. He didn't fear because he knew that God had his back. You can jot that down. Go all in because God's got your back. Did you know that? I think it's my favorite thing about God. 
I don't know, I've said it before, maybe it's that I'm one of six brothers, but love to me is usually expressed in, I got your back. I got your back. And God's got Caleb's back. And God's got your back. God's got your back when you go all in. In 14 verse 5, Caleb makes a stand. The people are like, no, 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 we're going to die. And they're like, get another leader. Verse 5, then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces. That's not the first time this has happened. They were getting used to it. Like the people would complain and it's like, boom. Down go Moses and Aaron on their face before God. Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephthah, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we pass through to spy it, it's an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and he will give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land for they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them. The Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Stone them with stones. Caleb knew that God had his back. For there was approximately two million Israelites at this time. And out of the two million, four, four knew that God was going to be faithful. And four knew that God was big. And four knew that God had their back. There was one person filled with faith for every half a million that weren't. I don't know. I mean, these are not good odds. Four on two million. To make matters worse, two of the four are flat on their face and the other two are half naked. It's not looking great. He delights in us. He will do it. Don't rebel. Don't fear. And the two million are like, but they're beasts. And Caleb's like, no, they're bread. And the two million are like, but they're protected. And Caleb and Joshua are like, no, they're pushovers. The Lord is with us. All in, guys. All in. All in. God's got our back. And if you've identified yourself with Christ and become a child of God, God's got your back. I don't know what's coming after you right now, but I do know that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Isaiah 54, 17. I don't know how great your problem is, but I do know that he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. 1 John 4, 4. I don't know who's against you, But I know that if God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8.31. And I don't know what sin has got you by the throat right now, but I do know that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Romans 8.37. But they don't get it. They don't get it. They didn't get that their faithful, big God had their back. They actually get angry. 
They actually get angry when people stand up and go against them. Verse 10, then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. So here we got Moses and Aaron face down. We got Caleb and Joshua tearing their clothes. We got a big old fight going on about who's going to go into the land. And they're like, kill them, kill them. And they're all picking up the rocks. And all of a sudden, what happens? But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people. Kill them. Cue the cloud. Drop your rock. God's got their back. The faithful, big God shows up. And he's got something to say about this faithlessness. Verse 11, And the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people despise me, and how long will they not believe in me? In spite of all the signs that I have done among them, I'll strike them with a pestilence and disinherit them, and I will make you a nation mightier than they. But Moses said to the Lord, Then the Egyptians will hear of it, for you brought this people in your might from among them, and they will tell the inhabitants of this land, They have heard that you, O Lord, are in the midst of this people, for you, O Lord, are seen face to face, and your cloud stands over them, and you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Now if you kill this people as one man, then the nations who have heard your fame will say, it is because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land that he swore to give to them that he has killed them in the wilderness. And now please let the power of the Lord be great as you have promised, saying the Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Please pardon the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your steadfast love, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt up until now. God was going to kill them. God was going to kill them, all of them, right there, boom, dead. And had it not been for an interceding of God's anointed Moses, which we've covered this over the last month, this foreshadows Jesus Christ interceding, going into God's presence. Had that not happened, God would have killed all of them. But God, um, he's, he's got something to say even after Moses intercedes. Verse 20. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word, but truly... As I live, and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the men, none of the men that have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt in the wilderness, and yet have put me to test these ten times, and have not obeyed my voice, shall see the land that I swore to their fathers. And none of those who despise me, notice how God feels, Notice how God feels by a lack of faith. Notice the words that God is using to describe a lack of faith. He, he feels despised. None of those who despise me shall see it, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully. In other words, all in. 
followed me fully, all in. I will bring him into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. Now since the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valleys, turn tomorrow and set out for the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. So they've got to turn around. They go all the way up. They're right at the edge. They're about, God's about ready to make good at their promise, and they fail a faith test, and God's like, turn around. Other direction. Back to where you came from. The Lord spoke to Moses, verse 26. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall this wicked congregation grumble against me? I have heard the grumblings of the people of Israel, which they grumble against me. Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord, what you have said in my hearing, I will do to you. Your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness. And of all your number listed in the census from 20 years old and upwards who have grumbled against me, not one, not one shall come into the land where I swore that I would make you dwell, except Caleb, the son of Jephthah, and Joshua, the son of Nun. But your little ones, who you said would become a prey, I'll bring them in. And they shall know the land that you have rejected. But as for you, your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness. And your children shall be shepherds in the wilderness. Forty years, one year for each day. They spied out the land for 40 days and they failed. So God's like, fine, 40 years. And shall suffer for your faithlessness until the last of your dead bodies lie in the wilderness. According to the number of days in which you spied out the land, 40 days, a year for each day, you shall bear your iniquity 40 years, and you shall know my displeasure. I, the Lord, have spoken. Surely this I will do to all this wicked congregation who are gathered together against me. In this wilderness, they shall come to a full end, and there they will die. And the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, who returned and made all the congregation grumble against him by bringing up a bad report about the land, the men who brought a bad report of the land died by plague before the Lord. There's a word for leaders there. If you lead people to be faithless, you'll be held accountable. Of those men who went to spy out the land, only Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephthah, remained alive. Faith failure. Tenth time, faith failure, and God is patient, but his patience runs out. Israel believed a false report. They believed a lie instead of believing the word of God. And when a lie is embraced, when a lie is embraced instead of the word of God, do you know what happens? You remember Genesis 3? You remember Eden? Don't eat from the tree. Snake shows up. You shall not surely die. You know what happens when a lie is believed instead of the word of God? Wilderness, wandering, and death. That's what happens when a lie is believed instead of of the word of God. So go all in, go all in, 
because God is faithful. And go all in because God is big. And go all in because God's got your back. But most of all, go all in because your life depends on it. Go all in because your life depends on it. What does the Lord think of all this? How does God feel when you doubt his word, reject his promises, reject his mediator and anointed leader? He feels despised. He's thoroughly disgusted and murderously angry. God kills those ten faithless men immediately, and he kills another million slowly. They refused to trust God at his word, and they refused to accept God's anointed leader and mediator. And as a result, they will die. The cost will be death. When they went to scope it all out, they're like, we'll die there. We'll die there. And God's like, no, you'll die here. And they're like, but our kids, they'll, 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 they'll destroy our kids. And God's like, no, 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 no. no. Actually, I'm going to take care of your kids. And they're going to see the land, but you're going to die. And they're like, the land, the land, it, it, it devours its people. It devours its people. And God's like, oh, you want to see land devour people? Give me two chapters. Number 16. You want to see the land devour people? See, God gives them what their faithlessness asked for in the first place. Death is the cost of not trusting God. The wages of sin is death. What does God want? What does God want from his people there? What does God want from you today? It's the same thing. It never changes. God wants you to be all in. God wants you all in. Faith that believes that God is who he says he is and acts like it. God wants you all in. All in faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hebrews eleven six. For by grace you've been saved through faith. Ephesians two verse eight. All in faith that believes that God is telling the truth and acts like it. It's faith. It's faith that makes a man righteous before God, and it's a lack of faith that condemns a man before God. The central question of this text, the central question of this text is, will you believe God's word? Will you believe God's word? The central question of the Bible is, will you believe God's word? It was the same question in Eden. It's the same question at Kadesh. It's the same question in Palus. Will you be all in on believing the word of God? Will you believe God's word that tells you that you are a helpless sinner and someday you will stand before Almighty God? Will you believe God's word? Will you accept his anointed leader and mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ? Moses is foreshadowing this. He's mediating and he's leading. Savior and Lord. Will you accept the one and only mediator, Jesus Christ, or will you not? The whole Bible is clear beginning to end on the cost, on the cost of not accepting the mediator, Jesus. Wandering, wilderness, and death. So those are the two options. 
Those are the two options. Believe that God is telling the truth. Believe God's word. Or die. 1 Timothy 2 verse 5 says, There's one God and there's one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all. That mediator Jesus Christ in John 14 verse 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 1 John 5 12 says, Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. What does God do in Numbers 13 and 14? The same thing he'll do on Judgment Day. The same thing he'll do on Judgment Day. Reward the faithful and punish the faithless. For the faithless, wilderness and death, and erased from the book, erased from the book, after Numbers 13, we don't hear about these people anymore. They're gone. Their story's over. They don't get another mention. But what does God do for the faithful? For those that are filled with faith, he brings them to a land of milk and honey. What will God do if you put your faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation and if you submit yourself to his lordship? What will he do? He will bring you to heaven, a good land that is filled with milk and honey. That's what he will do. But if you reject him, there will just be death. Go all in because your life depends on it. Harvest Palis. I knew nine years ago that I'd be all in on this church. It hadn't had its first service. I had not met Pastor Ryan. I had not been led in worship by Mark Boys. I had not been to a vision meeting, a core team meeting, or anything. I saw it on a screen in Rolling Meadows, Illinois, and I said, I think I just turned to Heather and said, that's where we're going. Nine years ago, do you know what I had done for a church? Next to nothing. Next to nothing. But I came here and I went all in. And now look, (laughs) what am I doing up here? (laughs) Look what God has done with a person that goes all in. Look what God can do with a person that goes all in more than I could ever ask or imagine. I hate to tell you, I'm really normal. I'm just all in. (laughs) Why are we selling our house and moving to St. Cloud, Minnesota to plant a church? Because God is faithful. Because God is big. And there's a shortage. There's a desperate shortage of churches in St. Cloud, Minnesota that preach a big God. There's a desperate shortage. Why go? Because God is big. Because he's got my back. He's got my family's back. He's got my kids' back. He's got my back. He splits seas. He shakes mountains. He's a a big God. 
He's a really, really, really big guy. He's got my back. Why am I all why am I all in? Because my life and the life of others depends on it. That's why. That's why I'm all in. So we're all in. And I'm urging you to go all in as well. I've been here nine years and I've done a lot of talking. <laughs> and here's the end of it. Go all in. Go all in. Go all in on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. For those of you that have not gone all in on Jesus Christ and your Lord and your Savior, have I made it clear this morning? Is it clear the cost of rejecting that? Wilderness, wandering, and death. So go all in. Go all in today. Go all in today on accepting God's anointed leader and mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ. Go all in. All in on him saving you and being the Lord for the rest of your life. Go all in. Go all in on trusting him to save you and be baptized. Go all in. It's right there. We'll fill it with water. Go all in. Go all in on baptism. Go all in on steps one, two, and three. If you haven't been to step one, go all in on step one. If you haven't been to two, go all in on two. If you haven't been to three, go all in on three. Go all in. Go all in by never missing church, by never missing an opportunity to lift high the name of Jesus with other believers. Go all in with your tithes and your offerings. When the offering is taken, go all in by not walking out until the moment you hear you are loved. We're still worshiping at the end. We're still worshiping this big faithful God. Go all in. Go all in. Go all in on your small group. Go all in on joining a small group. Go all in while you're at your small group. By loving one another. And praying for one another and confessing your sins to one another that you may be healed. Go all in with proclaiming the good news of Jesus with boldness. Go all in by working for Christ on a ministry team. Go all in when you're scheduled. Go all in when you're there. Men, go all in on loving your wives. All in. Go all in on loving your wives. Wives, go all in. All in on respecting and loving your husbands. Children, go all in on Jesus Christ. All in on student ministry. All in on spreading the gospel at your schools. All in. God is looking for people to go all in. He has promised that he will be with you. He is faithful. He is big. He has got your back and your life depends upon it. Go all in. Go all in on fighting your addictions. Go all in on loving your neighbors. But most of all, go all in on Jesus and go all in on God's word. Go all in on God's word. Go all in. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for being a faithful God. Even when we are faithless, Lord, you are faithful. Thank you for being faithful. Faithful to your word, thankful, faithful to 
us faithful to yourself, Lord. Lord, help us to be big God people. Help us to be big God people today, Lord. I, I don't know. I don't know what you're calling people to do, Lord, but I just pray that you would give them the grace to go all in, to go all in, Lord, on following you, on worshiping you, walking with you, and working for you. Lord, teach them that you're big. Show yourself to be big through our lives. Help us to trust that you are big. Help us to measure the obstacles in our life, not not by how big we are, but by how big you are. And Lord, I just pray if there's anyone here, Lord, that came this morning, that's somehow just holding out on going all in on the gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord. Holy Spirit, would you call that person to yourself right now and would they submit to your lordship and would they just go all in trusting you alone for salvation, Lord, acknowledging you as the Lord of their life and repenting from their sins, Lord. Let them go all in, Lord, by your spirit. We love you and we thank you for all you've done. In Jesus' name.